All right, fifth grade and under. Man, that's good and bad. We empty a lot of chairs that way, but uh, I'm sure glad we got a lot of kids here. I don't know about you, but have you driven around lately and looked around at some other churches? Huh? Do you ever drive around, look around, see what's going on? You know, um, you don't have to drive around doing church service. You're supposed to be here, but uh, but if you would uh, drive around every now and then and see what's going on in some of your churches, you'd be surprised how little is happening. And I look around, and I grew up in Naples, and I remember a day when the churches over there were jam-packed with people. I remember a church that ran two buses on Sunday morning to pick people up, just grabbing them up, people from all over, and everybody was meeting. Drive by over there now, and you you think uh, they closed down for the day. Very few people show up. Got saved in 1982, joined the church up here, and got immediately got involved with stuff. Had great children's department, great youth department, a lot of things happening. People up there all the time. Drive by up there today, wonder what's happened. Folks, the sad part about it is churches go through generational periods. You'll get a generation that gets on fire for the Lord and they'll get to serving and doing a lot, reaching a lot of people, and then they grow up and they get old. The problem is the younger generation didn't follow through with what was going on. And that's what happens to churches when they die, is somebody has dropped the ball along the way. And as a church planner and one that started this church, it scares me to death that this one might become like one of those. So I'm going to tell you what the Word says, just getting you ready for the second coming, because I don't want this church to ever be a place that looks like a funeral. Uh, uh, I want it to be a place where we're reaching more and more people and there's growth going on. Because you can drive around churches today and they, they haven't changed for 30 years. They haven't added anything on. A lot of them are not even using what they did have. And, and it's, it, I don't know about you, but it bothers me because there's more lost people today than there were 40 years ago. So it's not the lack of People, there's a lack of people going out. Well, it just happens that Jesus talked about this over in Matthew chapter 9. Let's go to chapter 9, beginning verse 35. I don't, Caleb, I was supposed to do that earlier. Let you know. I'm just checking to see how fast you are. There he is. Look at there, how good he is. I trained him well, didn't I? You believe that, you'll believe anything. All right. Folks, there's people dying every day. You're dying today. You might not feel you grow, and you're growing towards your death. And there's a whole world of people who are growing towards the day they're going to die. And in that period between 18 
And whenever that death is, is a lot of heartache and troubles and problems that you're going to have to deal with. And I'm here to tell you, it's a lot easier when you let Jesus into your life. All right? And in these things with these children, I love these children, and I love them being up here. But the sad part is, there's a lot more of them that's not in the church today, and they need to be. Well, Jesus was concerned about it, so this is what he tells his disciples, beginning in verse 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So what was he doing? He was teaching the people about God, about redemption, about salvation. He was healing and praying over people and doing all kinds of miracles. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is still doing some miracles today. Uh, the churches just need to wake up and get involved with Him. But look in verse 36. It says, Seeing the people, He felt compassion on them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Well, if he was dispirited, if he was, uh, had compassion on them then, does he not have compassion today? Okay. I, I'm afraid y'all were wondering about that because the same compassion that he had then is still here today. Now, let's put the other thing. Are people distressed and dispirited today? Way, way out there. People are concerned and it bothers them. So what do we do as a church to reach out to them to help them find a way to a better life? All right, we got to preach and teach, reach out to them and try to get them here in whatever way and let me do the preaching. I don't mind doing that. That's what I'm called to do. But you need to do some of the outreach. You need to gather it up. Now, folks, when you go to doing a harvest, you're not the threshing machine. Now, well, today you are. But in the old days, they had harvesters that would go cut the wheat down or the grain, and then they'd bring it to the threshing floor, and then they would gather and they'd thresh it out. And that's what we're going at. Because in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but we're lacking who? Workers. We're lacking workers. That's the problem with our churches today. It's not that churches wanted to die, but the workers failed to step up and take over and do what needed to be done. It seems like in today's society, we're in a society that people are shopping for churches like they do at the buffet. We're going to go find out what we want, pick and choose what we want. Somebody else is going to prepare it. They're going to clean it up and do everything. We're just going to eat and feast on it. The problem is with a church, folks, it operates off of people getting involved in doing stuff. There's very few people paid in churches. If you want to pay for everything, then you're going to have to dig real deep down in that billfold, folks. That boots on each end and back there in the back going to have to run over. Because it costs a lot to hire people. So what does the church operate on? Volunteers. Because you, you can afford to pay, well, this church pays two staff. Pays me and Caleb. And we give Goldie a little bit for doing all that work she does. And Caleb has learned since 
she's down there with Vicky, she's underpaid. Because now he's doing her job too. And uh, so do that. You know, Robert mows her yard. Robert, raise your hand. Everybody, there's your yard mower right there, okay? He comes up there, mows the yard, checks it out, and does everything. Used to, what we do, we'd say, you, somebody bring a mower up here and mow. Well, then we got a mower, and, and, and after Lawrence passed away, Robert said, I'm going to take Lawrence's job. And I want you to tell him you appreciate him, because I appreciate him, because he gets out there and mows. I hadn't taught him to weed eat quite as much as I'd like for him to, but he's working on it. But we do all that. There's a lot to keeping it up in the building. But all that's volunteers. And that's what Jesus said. The workers are few. Verse 38, he said, Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. He began to look right at the disciples and said, you need to begin praying and seeking and sending people out because the task is in front of us. The task is there to be done and somebody needs to step up with it and they need to take over it. The more children we have, the more workers we need out here. The more children out there, they become youth one day. And that means you've got to have more out here. And then you've got youth camp coming up. Well, I hate to pull pull uh, ages on anybody, but I know one of the youth workers was born in 1965. Okay? And, and he's the oldest of the bunch, and, and I, I, I've, I've been around him, know a little bit about him, and he's about figured out he might be getting a little bit too old to sleep on a bunk with a bunch of boys that don't take baths but about once a month. And they, they're real good about going swimming and coming in and dumping a wet towel, a wet bathing suit on top of the dry stuff so it all gets good and wet and we leave it till the end of the week. The smell can be a little overwhelming. So he's learning from his preacher because the preacher told him, he said, you need to delegate youth camp out to somebody younger. So now he's done con some others in, Billy. You and Matt's got something to learn now. But it takes people to do that. And yet, churches struggle all the time trying to have these workers. And yet, we've been tasked with the most important message the world has ever had. And it, it lives or dies on people taking on that task. Because... A person that's not in it, I expect them to do that. They need to for a while. They need to get fed. They need to learn. They need to grow. They need to feel at home. But for the others, we can't keep relying on the same people for 20, 30, and 40 years to do this. Because I promise you, they're wanting to do some other things too. So it takes workers to do that, and we need to pray about that and look and understand that we hold part of that. Because if this church is going to survive beyond my generation, it's going to rest upon you. And I'm talking to the young ones. Because you're the ones that's going to carry it on. And for my sake, please do it. Because I've invested a lot of time, money, and effort into this thing. I've been here from the time we built 
this first building. Well, I've been here since the time we were meeting under a tree and having Bible studies with a campfire. So I, I've been here since word go, and I, I've watched it. I, I've been a part of it, and some of you have been a part of it. Some of the ones that were with me and helped me start it, they've already dead and went on. So those that's planted this church are moving on. And they need to. There's a time. But I promise you what they want is somebody to step up and take their place. Because it takes a lot of people to do these things and do that. Because I don't want one of those little kids that went out here to die and go to hell unless it's their choice. Because it's got to be their choice where they're going to spend eternity. But if we neglect our task as a church... We neglect our task to provide and to teach and train, then we have influenced the decision they will make. So we need to do all we can. Now I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to interject on an excuse some of you are already thinking about. Well, I just don't know enough about the Bible to teach it. I know, I've been there. Well, let me tell you how you learn. You go out there and you get with those children, that's a good spot to start. Because you're already ahead of them. You can read and write, most of you. And you get a, you get a lesson plan, and you take it home, and you read it and study it and meditate on it. And then when you come back on Sunday, you can teach it. And you know what? You just learn what they're learning. That's where you begin. Folks, that's where I began. Barbara and I began to be invested. I worked with a thing called the RAs, Royal Ambassadors. I said, I don't know much about the Bible, but I know how to build a campfire, and I can cook a hot dog, and, and I can make foil packs and stuff like that. And then I began to go to a thing called discipleship training. I know John remembers this. We used to have church on, we had Sunday school, church. Sunday night you had discipleship training, you had church. And then we had it again on Wednesday night. So I was learning, and the preacher said, somebody needs to take a part. I didn't know any better. I just raised my hand. Give me a part. Just tell me. And he'd give me a scripture, and I'd read and study, and then I would teach it. Boy, they was hard up for a teacher. But I wasn't teaching them as much as I was teaching myself. And we got involved with RAs. We worked with them. We got involved with the, the, as our kids went through there, we worked with them. We worked with our youth. We just followed them along. Because I was getting the education along with these kids. The only time it ever bothered me is when I knew more about who walked on the moon than they did. That's when I realized I was old. I looked at my youth and I said, y'all remember when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon? Uh-uh. I said, well, it's on TV. Oh, that's right. You weren't born yet. That's when it settled in, Michael. But I began to learn with them. So I don't want to hear this excuse. Well, I don't know enough. Because I promise you, Caleb and Katie will put together a, a plan. If you study it and read it, you can do it. Because I did it. If I did it, anybody can do it. But we need workers. We need people to be involved in doing different things. People are always up here doing. I got cooks all around here. One of them's off with his mama today because he conned her to come to church here. So today he's got to be with her. 
Jim Lundeen. What time did you get here this morning, Jim? 7 o'clock. Why did you get here so early? Uh, did you come up here to get a biscuit and a sausage? What did you do? <laughs> now, what, what were you doing when I got here? You was cooking breakfast. So say you had to get here at 7 so that y'all could have sausage and biscuits. Was Randall here? Or did he get here after? Both of them get here around 7 o'clock. Why? So you could have breakfast. Make coffee and do all those things. Judy got here. And now, now, look, this is a volunteer. Judy's having Mother's Day for her mom and dad and her family. And she's cooking at home and she came up here to cook your eggs. And then left to go do that. Volunteer. Because that's how a church operates. And they do it because they love the Lord. And that's what Jesus is telling us. We've got to be a part if we want the kingdom of God to grow. If we want it to grow, then we have to step up and take some places over there. Because if we don't, you'll look like some other churches around this area. They'll drive by and think, nobody showed up. I drove by some churches last time. Barbara and I were on vacation and it was Wednesday and we were up in Missouri. And that's part of the, that's the buckle of the Bible Belt. Wednesday night, we drive by some big old churches. I could count the cars on one hand at some of them. Wednesday night. Then some of them I could take two hands. But very few of them did I have to get to my toes. Why? Nobody was showing up. Thankfully here, right now, we'll have anywhere from 60 to 80 people on Wednesday night. Something about feeding y'all as you show up but but we got a good youth program got a good children program you got a fair bible study at 6 30 but we got food why because it's easier for parents to get off work gather the kids up from all their activities what they're doing bring them up here and feed them and that's why we do it but it takes volunteers to do that but folks, the what's making this church work right now is the volunteers. What's going to keep it working will be the volunteers to keep on doing and being a part of it. And I think God's inviting some of y'all to be a part of coming up with our kids because I want to reach the lost. Because He said the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people out there. There's... I don't know what the population of Morris County is right now, but it, it used to be around between ten and 11,000. There's not ten or 11,000 people in church today in Morris County. And that's not counting Cass County and Titus County. and I don't know. We, we have, we've had them as far as Bowie County. Any of you, well, we're here for Bowie County folks driving down from Bowie County. That people drive... 40, 50 miles to come to this church. Well, how many people are in a 40-mile radius of this church? I'm going to say 60, 70,000 people. So the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
So for us to grow, it's going to take a lot of labor. Drop on down in chapter 10, look. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Now, folks, just because it says chapter 10, this is a direct tie-in to what he just talked about. So he gave them power and, and stuff to do all these miraculous things and to do it. And what did he do with them? He sent them out. He taught them, trained them, and sent them out to make a difference in the world. Because Jesus could not be but one place at one time on this earthly ministry. But the whole purpose of the church is to train people up to send you out and go forth to do the ministry and to reach people. Right now, just in the past week, we sent a guy that had been coming here, we sent him back to Canada. Because that's where he lived. And he's going back there. What did he want to do? He wanted to be able to use some of our Facebook and our messages up there to start some Bible studies. We send missionaries. I'm tickled to death that we're going to have a church, I hope, one day in somewhere in Canada. So you want to take a trip to Canada? Let's pray that Corey gets a Bible study going up there and we start a church. And then we'll take a mission trip up there. We've got missionaries around the world. As Southern Baptists, you support over 5,000 missionaries around this world preaching the gospel and sharing it. The problem is we used to have 10,000. But the churches quit giving. So now there's fewer and fewer. And even then, they pay their wages and give them a place to stay. But if they're going to do a ministry, you have to, they have to raise funds to do some of that. That's why we're supporting Mandy and Stephen with extra money to do ministry and throughout the, that's all right just like grandpa uh-huh just like grandpa gotta get a little rowdy there uh, but that's what God's doing with you he wants to train you up so that when you go into your job you go into the hospital you go into any place you go, if you go on vacation, that you can carry the message of the Jesus Christ with you. <clears throat> we had a man stop here the other day while we was pouring concrete. And he came here to talk to Mike and uh, we got to visit and we got to talking about the gospel. And he was going to a church and he got to sharing with me a little about it. And he said, I don't care where I sell Mike anything or not. I had a great time hearing about what's going on with your church. And it inspires me to be a part. And he's helped start a cowboy church. But he's able to take that enthusiasm and go for it. Verse, let's go down to verse 5, Caleb. And look what he said. Because as he sent them out, he said, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter into the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because of Abraham's, God's promise to Abraham, the first ones to receive the gospel message would be the Jews. So God directed, or Jesus is directing the disciples where to go first and foremost to go to those in the Jew, Israel. But to you, if you're going over in Matthew, the Great Commission, he says, for us to go locally and out at, from there, we'd go into Jerusalem, uh, Samaria, and then into the uttermost parts of the world. 
So we've been commissioned to go around the world and be a part of what's going on. And he's going to give you that same power to, to do. And what are you supposed to do? Verse 7, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Y'all stop right here. I want y'all to repeat after me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you can all say that, can't you? You can tell you, Jesus is coming soon. All right. Can you say, are you ready? You got the message. You preach and you tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and then you pray and you do all that. You, you, you may not be able to heal the sick. You may not be able to raise the dead. God was empowering them. It's still a miracle. It's done by some. And it's still available. But he says, go and do and be a part of the, the work of the kingdom. And you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. Because he's still working miracles to those who are faithful. But then he said, don't worry about your money. You do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belt. It was a common practice in this day for anybody that was doing religious or to charge for what they were doing. They could do a, a philosopher in this time were able to charge and do that and expected that. Jesus tells his disciples, don't do it. Don't acquire money. Don't acquire anything. Do not charge for what you're doing. Jimmy Till, how much do we charge for uh, those uh, funnel cakes we make? You mean we give those things away? That's a hard thing to convince people that we're giving them away. You do not know the arguments we have to have with people. We do not want your money. What they don't know, it costs about 35 cents to make one, and we have a blast doing it. But they're, on, they're not used to churches giving something away. But why do we give it away, Jimmy Till? We, we talk to them and visit with them. So that's why we give so much stuff away. And we do it at the Watermelon Festival. We do it at just about everywhere. We give things away because we don't want their money. I want their spirit. That's why we don't do fundraisers, folks. People think it's just me. There's a reason behind it. I've watched churches depend on the community to build their stuff and do their stuff. If your God didn't have enough money to build the buildings He needs, then you're in the wrong business. My God's got all the money He needs and He'll give it to us. The thing is, it's in your pocket. And if you want more in your pocket, you tell Him you want to give more and He'll give you more. All right? That, that's the way it is. You'll be amazed, folks, when a church operates that way, how God just begins to send money to various people. I, I've seen it for 40 years. I've seen it in my own life. But I've also seen churches that wouldn't spend a dime because they didn't think we could afford it. And so we'll, we'll, sell, we'll sell quilt squares, and then we'll raffle this off. To build a building. Folks, I was embarrassed. It was going on when I got there, so I didn't allow it. To, it was already going. I couldn't stop it. And they would made such a big deal about it. They were selling squares to win a homemade quilt to pay for a building the church needed. And they wrote up an article, and everybody, the whole 
Parker County knew about it. And I was embarrassed that the God of Baker Baptist Church wasn't big enough to build a building by itself. Because their God was not the God of the Bible. He was the God of their pocketbook. The problem was they didn't have enough faith in God to build what they needed. You don't have to worry about the money, folks. You worry about whether that's what God wants you to do. You get lined up with God and God says, I want you to do this, and He'll provide the money. But you've got to be there. And that begins in your life as you do your own personal finances. People say, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. You will live better off of 90% than you ever will 100%. I'm going to tell you, you'll live better off of 90 than you will 110%. Because God will bless and give you those things that you need because you're trusting Him. And that's what He wants you to know. You can trust Him. And He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. Why don't you let Him sell a few and bless you with a little bit? But you've got to say, here I am, God. Just show me this is what you want me to do and I want to join with you and be a part of that. And then I'll get blessed. Careful now, you may get me started. But I'm telling you, the God of the Bible has all that you need. The God of the Bible is wanting to give it to you. He's wanting to do something with you. And all you need to be doing is quit saying I can't. He's saying I will. And I want to do more. And when we do more, God will do more. It's, it's scary, folks, but I've been praying lately. God, I want to see some more of you. I thought you've already shown me a lot, but that's just the beginning. Because I want to see him. Folks, I've already got a vision for another building back here. Two or three more. But to do that, we got to have workers. Because that next building up there is going to be a million and a half dollar building with 12 classrooms. Because God's already laid on one man's heart that we ought to have a school here. And the way our schools are going, we're not very far from maybe having to have one. You're blessed to have a good school right now, but if the government keeps getting into it, it's going to ruin your kids, and they're going to quit teaching them the good things, and they're going to have to teach them the junk. And what's going to happen then? The church has better be ready to rise up and take these good teachers we got and say, come on over here, we're going to let the government alone, and we're going to teach them the truth. Because that's the reality of it. We've got wonderful school, wonderful school board. We're blessed, but folks, the government's after them. It's trying to put the squeeze on them. How they do it? They, they throw this money out there after them. And once they get them addicted, they say, you've got to have all these programs and we're funded. Well, we just cut the money off and you That's how they do it. And so schools that would never think about teaching the trash these liberals are trying to put down there have to do it. And then a teacher that stands up and says, I won't do it. Get out of here. We'll get one that will. I, just this past week on the news, there was a woman got fired because she said, I'm not teaching that trash. I'm not going to teach that junk. That's fine. We'll find somebody that will. You get out of here. Well, who's going to teach these kids? See, I don't know how far away that is, but right now, Pewitt, Hugh Springs, these schools, we're, we're blessed. 
But how long before somebody jumps up and throws a monkey wrench in it and says, you can't? Well, who's going to step up? You think First Baptist over at Naples is going to step up? Have you looked at their parking lot? They don't have the people. I said I wasn't going to do it. Did you want to look at First Baptist Omaha? They don't have the people up there. We don't have the people here. But we can. If we get ready. Where are we going to come up with me and have? I don't know. But I know who does. And when he said build that building, I promise you I'm going to get started on the dirt work. It's already up here. The grunt and groan construction company know where I keep my blueprints. <laughs> the only way I can keep a job is just keep it up here. We make it happen though, don't we guys? I'm, I'm blessed to have, I got every kind, I got electricians, plumbers, carpenters, concrete. I, I got everything we can imagine. Because God's put people in here to build what He wants to build with bar none. But it takes all of us, and it takes us to be willing to do it. I could never have a fish fry if I didn't have fishermen. Not only are they fishermen, but they're cooks. Some of them are even pretty good cooks. But Ronnie, where's Ronnie at? Ronnie, my dishwasher. <laughs> Look at him hiding behind Lynn. When, when we warm up, quesadillas, what temperature do we do, Ronnie? 200, okay. <laughs> we learned something. Oh, we have a blast up here. Most everything in the kitchen stays in the kitchen. Every now and then something slips out. But uh, but I'm blessed because people are doing it. But my fear is what happens. You say, Ronnie, you're 74? 72? He's not going to wash dishes forever. Me and Mike's getting older. Joiner, he's still a kid. He doesn't know how old he is. But who's going to take her place? Who's going to put money in the boot? Who's going to teach these kids? You know, when God spoke to Isaiah, told him what he needed, you, do y'all know what Isaiah said? Let me tell you. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Because God asked him a question. Who's going to go? Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me. I'll go. I'll, be, I'll do it. One of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. God already knew the answer to the question. God's kind of tricky sometimes, folks. But you know, He gave Isaiah an opportunity to volunteer so that he would be a part of it. Who am I going to send? I'm here to ask you now, whether you're part of this church or another church, are you willing to be a part of the kingdom of God and be a part of that church or a part of this church? Because it's going to take all of us. It's going to take some folks that's not even here yet to be a part and say, I will. Because if we don't, I'm telling you, we will end up just like some of these others. Because in my lifetime, I have watched all these churches go from up here 
to down here. And that breaks my heart. Man, I remember the days. Randall was a part of that bus ministry over at Naples. Y'all had two buses, right? You and Austin and George. Austin, he's in heaven up there fishing on River of Life right now. But go around and pick up all kinds of kids. There's no telling how many kids heard the gospel message that are saved today because some old people got in a bus and went around and picked them up because mom and daddy were too lazy to get out and take them to church. But some people got out and did it so that they could hear. And then we came along in the 80s and we all got together and, 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 and see that whole group that was active in this church up here in the 80s, most of us are now in our 60s and 70s and they're hurting. And there's churches all around this area have done the same thing. And I'm not being critical of them. I'm being critical of the people that didn't step up and do it. You see, when I was at First Baptist Cookville, People would come in and say, well, y'all don't have a children's department. I said, if you would stay here long enough, we could. They would come for two or three weeks. But over the three years I was there, if I'd been able to hold on to them, they would have had one of the greatest children's ministries there ever was. But nobody was willing to stay and grow it. They just wanted to come. Somebody take care of them. And you don't. Well, we'll go to this church. It's doing it. We'll go here. Well, you're just, I don't have my dog tick <laughs> cup, but you know what I'm talking about. We're just going to ride the dog, get all we can, and then fall off somewhere. I'm not looking for dog ticks. I'm looking for the dogs that move and do stuff. I'm looking for somebody to make something happen because my legacy the only thing I'm going to leave here is the salvations that come through the preaching of this Word. Everything else, what little money I have, the kids will blow out real quick. And they'll blow it on my grandkids and I'm fine with that. But the only lasting thing I have as a legacy will be the message of the Jesus Christ and the salvation in the people here. That's why I want this church to be here it's long until Lord comes back. They didn't make a hay barn out of it. I don't care. But until Jesus comes back, I want it to be growing and active and moving forward. And I need you. And God needs you. The question is, are you willing to say, here I am. Here I am. He'll empower you. He'll strengthen you. He'll do everything He needs to do. He's really just waiting on you to say, here I am. And if you'll do that, He'll bless you. I'm not begging for workers. I'm just challenging you to, to be involved in what's God. Y'all look up here? Sunday morning? How many young people do we have up here this morning? Young people. One. I'm not dare going to ask you how many old people we had because there were none. But you know what? At any time, one of them could pass away or get sick because they are advancing. Who's going who's gonna to play that thing right there? Who's going to get the songs together and rally them up and get them ready on Saturday morning? Trace.
You've been volunteer trained. I've heard you could sing, and, and Joseph is going to be your backup. <laughs> Anybody gets his hair done as pretty as you, Joseph, you've got to be up on the stage. But who's going to do it? And then you know what happens? We ain't got no good music up there. We'll just go somewhere else. Well, some of you have been blessed with musical talent. You best get up here. Be a part of it. I told Charles yesterday in the whole group, I said, we need to get these little ones. We've got a couple. Kendra and them raising up a couple, but they're, they're a few years out from turning them loose up here. Quinn's up here. But folks, I'm not quite ready for a first grader to, to lead the music, even though she does real well. She's ready. I'm just not ready. <laughs> but who's going to who's going to do this? It's got to be up to us. Why don't you stand up, bow your heads, and then I'm going to ask you to join me outside, Father. You know the needs. You know the dates. You know when your son's coming back. I don't. I know everything points to him coming back pretty quick, but a year, two years, three years is just moments to you. A hundred years just be a twinkling in your eye. But Father, this church needs to be here. And I pray that you speak to those that hear this message about what they need to do not only here but at the churches they go to i know many are here where their mothers and they're being a part of the family deal today but father we want to continue on being a witness in this community and we want people to be a part of that and we know you'll take care of all the other simple things the finances and all those things we just need some workers father and I'm going to pray you send them forth and call them and equip them to do what we need. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, we're fixing to go out here to the water trough and uh, have a couple of baptisms. If they've already accepted Christ. We're going to follow through with baptism. And one of them I'm going to hold under five minutes or until she turns blue.